You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily local sports podcast network. I am Chris Manning, your host and the site manager at fearthestore.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers site. Thank you for being patient during the hiatus, but we are truly back. Um, And if you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. A five-star review of the show is the best way to support it. And you can find the show on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at Lockdown Cavs. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. On today's show, we are going to look at everything we missed in the last week and go over some lessons from the road trip. And then we're going to finish the show with a check-in on Colin Sexton, who has been, I think, very much litigated in the Twitter sphere of late and has had some interesting and also problematic stretches. We're going to focus a bit more on the positive today because the negatives are very much the same as what they were before, but um, he has also, I think, had some good moments in ways that I think are interesting. So in the last week, the Cavs have still been very much defined and hit with injuries. We just saw Tristan Thompson miss two games with an injury. Larry Nance Jr. is still out. David Nwaba is still out, etc., etc. As much as the Cavs are a group not bursting with talent and lacking a lot of things and and really lacking size on the wing, injuries have been a big defining part of this team and maybe something that has not been discussed enough. Terry Pluto, the legendary Cleveland sports writer, talked to David Griffin, the ex-Cavs GM, over the weekend in a story you can go read at cleveland.com. And Griff pointed out, I think, fairly that the Cavs do have a lot of injuries and specifically guys like Kevin Love. Uh, being out, but also when you have guys like Tristan miss games and Larry Nance miss games and David Nwaba, who's by far the team's best wing defender, miss a bunch of games, that's just going to hurt you no matter what. So I obviously do not think the team would be much better again if they were all healthy or that they're going to get better when they are healthy, but it can't hurt them, and that would at least raise some quality of play that we're just not seeing from the Cavs right now. In two-way player news, I do like what the Cavs have done with their two-way deals. Jalen Jones played hard and all. I wish him all the best, but Dang Adele has more potential. The pro-rated aspect of two-way deals means that Adele only has 22 days to be with the Cavs this season before they have to let him go or sign him for the rest of the year or um, put him in the G League basically for the rest of the year. They have some choices there. But basically, you can spend 22 days with the Cavs from the day he signed his contract. He's already at least spent one with the team. He at least is the very much profiles as more of an NBA player than Jalen Jones. If you're not familiar with Adele, he's a 21-year-old small forward. He's 6'7". He's from the Sudan. He played college ball at Louisville, and he did go undrafted in the 2018 NBA draft. He was playing with the Raptors 905, the Toronto Raptors G League affiliate, before the Cavs signed him to a two-a deal. And there he was averaging 13 points, 5.4 rebounds per game, while shooting 42.3% from the field and 31.3% from three. He is not a lock to be a real NBA player. There are reasons 
that he did go undrafted, that he wasn't, um, you know, maybe a highly sought after developmental prospect. But if you're looking at the scale of what the guy, the Cavs have had this year, I think he is a is a happy medium to the different spectrums we've seen. If you go back to last year, John Holland and London Perantes, I think were not over guys that you thought were going to be long-term plays. I thought Billy Preston was the longest of long-term plays, and we saw how little interest, how little interest the Cavs had in in dealing with him long-term. Um, Jones, I think, was a was a bot. He was there to kind of fill minutes. I think Jerron Blossom game, although he's been maybe a little bit better than I thought, has not been anything more than really a minutes filler. I think Adele will probably come in, play some minutes, especially if they do make some trades with guys like Alec Burks. But I do also think he could have some room to grow. Um, and look, taking a chance on a 6'7 wing who could maybe become a shooter and was good in the G League could be something worth doing in this NBA when the Cavs especially do not have a ton of modern wings. And they're currently playing a lot of campaign at the two. And speaking of campaign, look, he's been all right since the Cavs signed him to a two-second 10-day deal. Um, he's weirdly bringing up the ball a decent amount, including when he started with Colin Sexton the other night against the Nuggets. And he was really bad against the Nuggets. Um, Joel Murray kind of expectedly torched him, and he just had no real answers for what uh, Jamal was, was doing in that game to him, and he was just bad. But the Cavs currently, I think, feel that they need an extra guy to distribute the ball. And it will be interesting to me to see if they keep him around when his second 10-day deal runs out. The Cavs from there would have to either let him go or sign him for the rest of the year. And that would eat up their last roster spot for at least the time being. Now, that could change depending on what happens with J.R. Smith, who we have heard nothing about basically of late. Um, could have with Burks, Rodney Hood, basically almost anyone on the roster. We got to kind of see what their future is going to be like. But trades and, and whatnot could open up roster spots. So the Cavs could sign him when that deals up for the rest of the year and then sort of know that they're going to have another roster spot later for someone like Blossom game. Um, you know, they could maybe convert Adele's deal to a full deal for the rest of the year if he's good in his, after his 22 days are up. There are some questions about what they want to do with that last roster spot um, and, and when things are going to be opening up. We are a few weeks away from the trade deadline, so this is when things are really going to start picking up and the roster is going to take shape for from now until the season ends in April, but uh, that's something to watch. It's something, it's a small thing. It is a very minor detail in a bad, bad season, but keep an eye on what the Cavs do with their 15th roster spot and how campaign drawn blossom game and dang Adele fit into that conversation. And I, again, I do think the trade deadline and what happens with potential buyouts with someone like J.R. Smith uh, will really have an impact on, on what's to come. That is going to be it for the first segment. We're going to be right back um, with more Lockdown Cavaliers for Monday, January 21st. So stay tuned. And we are back. Okay, so... Looking at the road trip, I'm going to give you my five takeaways from this overall road trip. The Cavs go one and four. They beat the Lakers, but otherwise it was a lot of losses and a lot of double-digit losses that were not competitive, nor were they fun to watch. If you skipped, let's say, the Friday-Saturday back-to-back that started at 9 p.m. and then 10 p.m. respectively, I would not blame you in the slightest for just catching up later uh, by getting the notification on your ESPN app or 
you know, looking at fearthesword.com or whatever. So my first takeaway is that Jetty has looked good on this road trip. He, I thought, was one of the more intriguing guys on this trip, and that's a good sign. So Jetty is a player who has had a bit of an up-and-down year. He obviously, I think, was one of the more impressive players to start the season. He was one of the one of the guys that I think really did some things that made you feel optimistic about the Cavs' youth um, when the season started. But then he had that injury. He looked off for a while. His confidence, to me, looked a little bit shaken um, in regards to his shot and just kind of his whole offensive profile. But I think he's gotten a little bit better, and I think he's slowing down a little bit, and that, to me, is a is a really good sign. You're seeing Jetty not just chuck up shots when he feels like he has to anymore. You're seeing Jetty not necessarily really force himself to do things. Um, you're seeing him not be someone who is just getting no good looks. He is not. He is in a situation where he is just at least doing things that you feel like, oh, this is what Jetty should be doing. Jetty at his, I think, what he profiles best as is a player who uh, is going to be a slasher. He's going to have a, be a decent shooter. He's going to be a passer. He's going to do a little bit of everything. But he's going to be someone who I think has to kind of not be forced to do things he's not good at. And I think defensively, that remains a concern. Um, if you watch the Nuggets game, he was guarding Paul Millsap. That that is a real, real concern. I don't I don't love the idea of him having to guard um, his a guy like that because Paul Millsap is just a lot bigger than him and is just a lot more um, skilled than him and just will kind of abuse him in that regard. But if you're looking at the little things that I I think should make you feel good. Um, but on this road trip, you know, he he only averaged 12 points um, in shot, but he did shoot 47.5% from the field. His three-point number in percentage is still a bit under 30%, which isn't good. But he's finishing with his left hand a little bit. He's taking contact a little bit better. There's little things where he's slashing where you just feel, I think, good about what Jetty's done. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of him kind of getting back to sort of what made him interesting as a prospect coming out of Turkey, coming out of the Euro League. Um, it's as a slasher, it's as a finisher, it's as a passer, and we're seeing glimpses of that um, that we haven't necessarily seen in a while. And he had that chase down block against the uh, Nuggets that was made him look like Turkish LeBron, and that was very fun. So Jetty in this road trip just showing some signs of life that I think are really encouraging. Ante Zizic also showed some real promise, and I think he should keep getting minutes. Ante is a guy that you know I think obviously has his limitations. I think defensively there are a ton of question marks. I think. Offensively, you know, can he could he ever expand his range out? Could he ever develop at least a, a mid-range jumper uh, to kind of keep defenses honest a little bit? But I, I like Ante. I think he has a really nice touch on the ball. He's a guy who um, does move well. He at least battles on defense, and his his ankle's healthy now, and that is a, is a very good thing too because he did miss some time with uh, those injuries. And if we're looking at the last couple nights, he has played I think pretty well. Um, you're looking at him averaging. 24.3 minutes per game over the last couple games. He's he's had uh, his first career, I think, one of his first career double-doubles against the Jazz, against Rudy Gobert, uh, and, and against Nikola Jokic, and against Gobert, two of the very best centers in the NBA. I wouldn't say he looked overwhelmed. I wouldn't say he, like, blew the, the blew, you know, um, expectations out of the water, but he was a guy that did look like he kind of could score, and he could rebound, and he could kind of just be a guy that could at least fit in and at least deserves a, ch a chance to kind of see if he can fit in. Um, it is a crowded Cavs front court. It is a crowded Cavs situation, but he's a guy that has just played a little bit better. Um, 
on this road trip, you know, he only played 10 minutes against the Lakers, but every other game he played at least 20 minutes. Um, in all of the games where he played at least 20 minutes, he had double-digit points. He uh, pulled down some rebounds. He had uh, only one double-digit rebounding game, and but it had two of at least eight, and that's a positive sign. Um, he's he's shooting well inside. That touch is there. He didn't shoot under 50% in any of these games, including that 9-12 performance against Denver, which, again, garbage time there to some extent, but still some really positive things. I think you got to keep trying to see if you can get Ante minutes based on what he's done. Uh, the third takeaway is that in the Nuggets game, the Cavs used their 19th, that's your that 19th different starting lineup. That's a league high. That is a story in its own right, because as much as we can talk about uh, the Cavs don't have enough talent, and I will say that, and the Cavs have bad schemes, and I will argue that as well. I think when you are a, a group of guys trying to be comfortable with players, and you have overlapping skill sets, and you have... Um, just you're missing a guy to really center everything around because Kevin Love is out. I think that lack of cohesion and that lack of stability does not help things. I think if I'm not saying that if they were healthy and had the same starting lineup aside from Kevin Love for most of the season, or at least ones that were similar and there was less change all the time, they would suddenly be good and maybe fighting for the eight seed. That that is not my argument here. My argument is that if they could at least just get some health and get some just minutes with similar units and guys getting more comfortable with each other in the right circumstances, that would help this team. They just can't have that right now because they're basically, Larry Drew is having to patchwork a variety of things that he's doing. I don't know what else to, to say here other than like they need that to change if they want to at least get more competent. It doesn't help Sexton. It doesn't help Jetty. It doesn't help Larry Drew do the best job he can with this group. And and just having to start 19 different lineups already, that, that's that's quite incredible for the Cavs. Additionally, the Cavs' defense remains a tire fire, and that's probably being kind to tire fires. So on this road trip, they gave up 124 points per 100 possessions. That is even worse than their league-worst 117.5 defensive rating for the season. It is not hyperbole to say that this Cavs' defense might be the worst in the NBA, this is a team that is starting at a deficit every time it plays because of how bad its defense is. Um, that isn't to be sort of expected because they've had all these injuries, because Colin Sexton's a rookie, because Campaign's not good on defense, because Jetty, while I like his potential on that end, is not a good defender yet and is defending up weight higher than he should be on the floor. He should be guarding twos, and he's guarding fours. They have a, just a huge, huge issue on the end of the floor. Um, I, I think that's something they have to really rebuild. I think getting David Nawaba back to at least give them one competent wing defender would, would really be a good thing. But they're not going to win more than the random one-off game unless that defense gets somewhat better. In this NBA, it is not going to be um, a league where defenses are going to be like the Tibbs Air Bulls and they're going to grind teams out. I don't think that exists anymore. Teams are scoring and are too good at offense. Um to really make that a reality, but you have to at least be able to get some stops, and the Cavs can't be counted on to get any stops right now. And look, the last one is that the Lakers' win was needed. The Cavs were in the midst of that long losing streak at that point. They were in their the, the stadium of their old star player who wasn't playing, but with the specter of him sort of hangs over that game. And even though they go out and then get shellacked against the Blazers, get shellacked against the Jazz, get shellacked against the Nuggets in the three games after that to end the road trip on a really dour note they did get a win that they i think earned that they took away from a young a lakers team a young lakers team that really could have used that win and that is something to at least feel positive about getting a win like that and getting a chance to 
to beat a team like that and kind of take some away from a team like that, I think has to at least be something the Cavs can hold their um, heads up high about. And look, that, you know, Nance didn't play, but he knows those guys. That has to mean something to him. Clarkson wasn't really wanted there anymore, and I think he could take some positive from that. And for, for everyone um, to just at least get a win in that type of environment against that team, that is at least a high point in the season. Um, even though it, it doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things, I think at least that one night breaking that losing streak in that building that's cool, and I think at least feel good about that. But it does already feel like it happened more than a week ago, even though it was a week ago. That's going to be it for our second segment of the show. We're going to take one more break and then be back to get into Colin Sexton, who I do think was um, an interesting piece of this road trip and had some really positive moments, but I want to spend more time on him. So stay tuned for that on this episode of Locked on Cavaliers. And we are back for the weekly check-in on Colin Sexton and the last segment on today's show. So I think there has been a lot of bagging on Sexton, which some of which I think is warranted. I think he's not good right now. He's not a good NBA player on either side of the ball right now. For what it is worth, my take on him right now is that there are flashes of really interesting stuff from him. But there, it's not enough for me to feel super positive about what is happening with him and what he's currently doing right now. So I think there have been things lately that I have really liked. And the Nuggets game in particular is something that really stood out to me. It's it's a first quarter, at least, that I felt like he was figuring some things out. It was making some plays against a good NBA team that made me think, okay, Colin Sexton is starting to see the court better. In one case, he drove, and instead of forcing up a, a mid-range pull-up or, or flailing up at the rim, he passed to Rodney Hood in the corner. And it didn't result in a made, in a made shot by Rodney Hood, but it was Colin Sexton making the right read and finding the open shooter and, and passing out of that. I think you also saw him in this game. He had a really nice fast break pass to Jetty Osmond, and he was at least distributing the ball a little bit more and again, weirdly, I noted this earlier, he was playing off ball a lot in this game, and I don't love that for him. I don't know why campaign is bringing up the ball instead of Colin Sexton, but uh, it's that's obviously Larry Drew's prerogative in that situation, and maybe it forces him to get a little more comfortable in an area he hasn't really played at before. Um, and for Sexton, this road trip had some interesting moments. It had some moments where, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that he was great, but I want, I want to also just say that there are little flashes you're seeing and at least him doing something a little bit different. If not, you know, taking long threes or or doing stuff that is Trey Young-esque or De'Aaron Fox-esque because that's kind of the, the popular hope for him that he's going to take that kind of leap. That is notable. Um, and, you know, for, the, for in these, on this road trip, I'm going to run through his numbers and they're a little wild. So... 30 minutes a game for him, 13.3 points. He shot 36.1% from the field, but did shoot 40% from three on 2.5 attempts per game. Uh, got to the line four and a half times a game, 4.3 times per game, excuse me, 
making 84.6% of them, a 3.7 to 2.7 assist to turnover ratio. Those are not awful numbers. The, 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 two, the overall field goal percentage is indicative that he just can't finish inside right now. But the three-point numbers, the field goal percentage, the free throw percentage numbers are, are specifically the free throw number, are good indicators that he might be a decent shooter if he can keep figuring it out. And that does lead me to something that I think is holding him back right now, and that, that is his strength. Colin Sexton at age 20 is not particularly big. He's not really strong. He's very fast. He's really quick, but he doesn't have the size of the NBA quite just yet, I don't, I don't think. But again, he's still really young. I think for him, a, the long-term view has to be that where he gets a summer next year where he works on his body. He gets a summer in the weight room with the trainer with under the supervision of the Cavs or, or on his own and then plays at Summer League where Colin Sexton just has to get stronger and he reviews all of his tape in the process and he hones his ball handling which um, I have a, a lot of concerns about how much how often he seems to get stripped in the paint right now and does all of the work and maybe expanding his three-point range too to that is going to require him to take the kind of leap he's going to make the De'Aaron Fox from the Kings, who's had a breakout year and has been fantastic and is a, should be an all-star, an all-star consideration, in my opinion, out West, has been the guy where if you look at the 530 player projection models, the Carmelo models, he is the his rookie season is a map for Sexton. If, if that is going to be something that is true, if for Colin Sexton that is going to be something that is is a reality for him, I think he it, that's that the summer is going to be the big thing. And again, I think Kevin Love coming back is going to help Colin Sexton. I've tweeted that. I've said it on the show. I've written it. It's a fact that getting Kevin Love back is only going to help Colin Sexton. And getting them some minutes together will help Colin Sexton. Having a healthy team that has cohesive lineups and, and lineups that develop a rapport and a consistency to them and a flow to them is only going to help Colin Sexton. And a reason I also would feel optimistic about Colin right now is that for the year, he's shooting 39.2% from three, and he's shooting 86.6% from the line. Those are similar numbers over that six-game sample uh, that we just talked about. And again, he has a long way to go for him to finish at the rim, and and perhaps in, 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 in the floater in particular, to really have a well-rounded offensive game or even a good offensive game and for him to be rounded out on that end of the floor and his passing and his vision, all that stuff has to get better. And I think the strength in particular will, will help him be a better finisher inside. But there are little things there that are a good sign. The shooting numbers from three on the amount of attempts and the, for the free throws are a good sign that he is not, he doesn't have a broken shot by any means. It's just, I think, a strength thing more than, more than anything as opposed to he just won't ever be able to do it. There's a lot of, again, question marks about if I'm right. I could be very wrong, but um, I would not be totally unsure that he's just a disaster. And I don't think he'll be the, the best piece the Cavs have long term if things go right for them, but I don't think he's going to be a complete waste of a draft pick either. Um, and maybe, well, maybe we'll look at that draft differently in a, a year or two years. But, but I think you got to give him a chance to grow into his body a little bit more and get some better lineups that should really help him i think so that is going to be it for today's show we i will be back tomorrow with a recap of the monday monday afternoon Cavs bulls game not aka the battleship movie of nba games 
If you have questions you want answered on our next mailbag, you can submit those to at LockdownCavs on Twitter and to lock or to LockdownCavs on, at gmail.com. We'll also have a post up on the Cavs subreddit, r backslash Cleveland Cavs. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts does guarantee your question gets answered, so if you leave a review there, email it in to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. I will answer your question, 100% guaranteed. At For the Sword, uh, be sure to check out what Trevor Magnotti is writing in his weekly draft viewing guide. If you want to watch a bunch of college games, that might give you an idea of who might end up on the Cavs next year, or at least have some baseline knowledge of what those guys may look like in the NBA. So that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the episode of Lockdown Cavaliers for Monday, January 21st. I'm Chris Manning. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWM Rights. We'll be back tomorrow, a.k.a. late Monday night. Looking at Cavs. We'll talk to you then. Cheers.